Tom Rockley from the Brisbane Lions. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. David Mundy from the Fremantle Dockers. Taylor Walker from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Bob Murphy from the Western Bulldogs. It's Brad Ebert from the Port Adelaide Football Club. I am Andrew Swally from the North Melbourne Football Club. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. Hi, I'm Gary Ablett from the Gold Coast Suns, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. My friends, you're only a couple of weeks away from round one of your dream team season kicking off for 2017. So if you haven't done so already, jump back into sportsdeck.com. Keep tweaking around with your side, making the little adjustments you need after watching the JLT matches. Still nine games to come this weekend and our last chance at looking at our sides ahead of round one. Plenty of stuff to do and don't forget to click on the news tab. There's plenty of content there. And you can enjoy the free assistant coach tool and uh, all the details for how you can get that and plenty more other great uh, tools and features that are designed for you. Here from the Dream Team, you can check out at sportstech.com. It's MJ from the Coaches Panel and uh, joining with me today as we look at the midfield line of our Dream Team side, I've got Fish on the line. Hello, mate. How are you? Good, thanks, MJ. Well, mate, it is arguably the, or it is the biggest line. We have 11 players to fill uh, and 11 positions to fill in this line and really going to be pretty crucial as it is most years. But this year, once again, getting that right balance of premiums that fire early. Those of us that are a little more, um, you know, mid-price kind of inclined, um, nailing them and getting guys that are either going to be the great cash cow, you know, the great cash generation options or the breakout options, and then, of course, nailing the cash cows. And we'll talk about them and, and I guess, the lack of them um, compared to previous years. It's going to be fascinating what people do with the midfielders because it feels like we've got more options than ever before. Yeah, there's a few different structures floating around at the moment. I think, as you said there, the rookies are the key thing. You know, years gone by, we just probably had a, you know, a clear-cut anywhere from five to ten guys that you could happily on your bench or even put in those last few midfield spots but this year there's certainly the cupboard looks a little bit bare at the moment so we've got to try and find a few other alternatives in the way that we set up that midfield well let's go right to the big premium options uh for 2017 um, and looking kind of at ownership popularity to help us gauge where dream team coaches are kind of looking to lock away into their sides and at the moment, the most popular player in Dream Team was also the number one scoring player in 2016, Geelong's Patrick Dangerfield. He's going to set you basically $700,000. Fish, that's a lot of money for a guy that's really only had one massive uber premium season. I guess my question is twofold. One, is he worth that much to start with, the outlay? And then two, is he a must-have like he seemed to be last year? Yeah, he probably had the greatest individual season that we've seen in a while in terms of dominating every award that was out there, plus mm. you know, winning the coveted award of uh, leading point scorer in fantasy comps as well. I think with Danger, you know, the, the thing with him is, is that just the game that he plays, he can certainly just you know turn it on at any time. He's almost untaggable due to his power and his speed. Um, you know, he can get the ball on the inside, he can get on the outside, he can go forward and beat guys one-on-one. So he does offer you um, you know, a bit of security there. Yes, you are paying a lot for him, but certainly don't seem to quite a games from him that you used to see in the earlier days, and that's probably just a maturity thing as well with him. Um, I think the other beauty of Danger as well is that that team is so dependent on him. As much as Geelong talk about the fact that they need to get away from the Danger field and still with combination and other guys have to step up, he really is crucial to their chances, um, and he loves leading from the front, so 
you know, while he may not have the out-and-out outstanding season that he had last year, he'll certainly be amongst the top couple. And his buy round is probably the beauty of, of him, you know, the, the lack of guys in that particular buy round, which makes it starting with him uh, an option. He's one of these guys that if you don't start with him, you've probably got to finish with him. So then you've got to work out how you get him in. Um, and, you know, it's not just a case of working out how you get him in. How do you have the midfield rookies that will generate enough cash to get him in? So I think there's probably enough queries with what else is going on in that line. It's just easier to start with him at the moment. Just lock that position away. And it's something that hasn't been spoken about um, much across the Dream Team community this preseason, at least compared to other years, is the buy structure and how you kind of navigate it through. Maybe it's because round 12, which is the buy round that Dangerfield has, only four teams are off. And, and so I think there could be that uh, perception, rightly or not, that the buy rounds could be easier to navigate this year with, you know, too early on with Port and Gold Coast missing and almost then having two sides to upgrade to right across the buy round. But from a dream team perspective, neither of them have a plethora of dream team friendly guys, you know, multiple players in every single line. You've probably got a Took Miller up front for Gold Coast, um, maybe a Chad Wingard if you can go back to what he did a couple of years ago. Jasny and Pittard, perhaps, you know, in your back line. And then you're sort of hoping that Boke or Wines can get back to being 100-plus players or someone like a Gary Ablett is injury-free and firing. Yeah, and no, I think that's, you know, the thing that really sort of leans heavily in danger's favour is just that buy around the, the structure of it, the way that he can cover across those rounds. You know, there's only the four teams affected when he's there the week before there's just so many midfielders and, and those DPP forwards that are affected by the, the by the round before so I think that's just another tick in danger's favour as to why you seriously have to consider starting him because it's going to be very hard to get him in after five or six rounds with the midfield rooks that we have on the option at the moment Yeah and that's something we're going to speak about I'm in a little bit more depth in moment a, a player that was super close to uh, to trumping, um, I shouldn't use that word because that feels a dirty word, uh, but uh, outscoring Patrick Dangerfield was a Zach Merritt. 6.3% of coaches own him. For a dude that delivered the season that he did last year, that's awfully unique. Are coaches scared off the returning bombers? It has to be the only reason, doesn't it? I mean, Yes, as you're saying, these guys, he had this one massive season. Um, but at the same time, he's at the start of his career and he has mm. built his points year by year. So that's the other thing to consider with Merritt. It's not like he's sort of gone up and gone down. He has shown that steady progression um, with the points going upwards. Yeah, he may not, you know, get the free and free run in the midfield like he had last year. But at the same time, the guys that are coming back, you know, your Watson, who's probably that little bit older and will rotate between half forward and midfield, and even Heppel. Um, from what we've seen in the past, Zach Merritt, I, I don't see the reason why it slows down, but as you said, it's just as to whether or not people want to pay that premium for him from the start, based on the fact that he is so young and whether he can do it again or not. But by all means, you know, with that percentage ownership, it's the type of numbers that you look at and think, yeah, maybe I do start with him and get a bit of a jump on the back because he showed in the first JLT game that he can get away. I mean, he just had the ball on the string early. Yeah. And, and I think it continues like that in the season. He's going to have free reign to go and get the ball. Um, loves a tackle. You know, loves a little kickback. Not too much that can go wrong with him, really, other than maybe he drops, you know, four or five points a game. And even then, it's still elite scoring. Yeah, you'll take a guy that is in under 8% or well, in under 7% of sides that can go 110 and is 
Gosh, even if he does drop $100,000 in value, it doesn't matter if you already own him because you've banked the points along the way. And so, yeah, for me, I've got no problem with someone looking to lock in a Zach Merritt in their starting squad. Probably the next most popular premium midfielder um, would be a Nat Fife. 33.3% of coaches own him. And from a Dream Team perspective, a, a couple of years ago, prior to a, a corky got uh, against Sam Mitchell and then kind of the rest of that year kind of fumbled his way, struggling to keep his body right. And even early last year, he's shown he's got a little bit more ceiling now in Dream Team, is a viable option. And, you know, one third of the coaches in Dream Team are locking him in and kind of understandably so. Oh, absolutely. You can understand why people aren't going after Nat Fife. That year that he had, you know, where he did win the Brownlow, basically playing mm. half a season, he was the dominant player in that first half. Scored points at will. Um, you know, personally, I'm probably leaning towards wait and see with Nat Fife. Right. Um, what happens with Lockie Neal coming back? What happens with David Mundy, whether he rotates back into the midfield? The other risks that you're taking in that midfield with guys that I'm sure we'll discuss shortly, how many of them can you actually have that have got the injury histories that those guys have? You know, you probably can't start with all of them. So you've just got to pick and choose the right one. But certainly five, you can understand why so many people are keen on him. Yeah, probably the next two premium midfielders both come from the same side up in Brisbane. Tom Rockliffe, 28% of coaches, and Dane Beams, 23% of coaches. We know, Fish, that when they're both fully fit, and probably more so with Rockliffe than with Beams, when they're allowed to play a a really strong midfield uh, amount of minutes, they're going to be great scoring options for us. But over the past two years, they've both now given us enough concerns about their injury history. And then if we're going to start looking at some of the mid-price injury-affected guys, it does start to become hard about how many of these quote-unquote risks we can take with our premiums this year. Yeah, I think that's you know the point that I was certainly getting at with Fife just before, that if you're loading up a midfield and you've got the likes of those two and a Fife and an O'Meara and a Swallow and, and guys that have missed a lot of football in the last few years, it does start to become um, very hard. Obviously, you can't plan for injuries. No. But, you know, it's something that the coach panel has raised recently. You can actually sort of look at the risks um, and mitigate the risks more than anything else to just be sensible with who you're getting in. The talk of Rockcliffe, it's almost every pre-season. The talk that he's going to go forward more, he's going to play on the half-forward flank. You know, we saw as a junior, he was such a good forward one out. Um, but there's not too many guys that can score at 180-plus uh, with the frequency which he's done it over the last yeah. few years. And that's, that's certainly something to worry about if you don't have him. I've personally had him in and out of my side over the last week or so, just after the comments after the JLT, but... I don't know. I'm sure he'll end up back in there. He's probably the type of guy that if you don't start with him, he comes out and goes 140, 150 mm. um, quite easily. He's certainly in that Brisbane leading midfield. Yeah. Um, there's no doubts about that, but it's just because he's so proficient up forward that there's always that worry that he could end up there. But look, it's hard with a guy like that who can rack up the ball like he does. He's shown everything this preseason. He's dropped the weight. There's probably... No real reason to overthink it, and it's just, you know, the chance to start him, to start with him and right. If he gets injured, he gets injured. You can't go into a season and say, oh, you know, he's going to do a hamstring or he's going to do a knee or he's going to do this because you just can't plan for that. So, Rocky, I I think at the moment, while people talk about the fact of, you know, the injuries and they also talk about the fact of role, just due to his absolute ceiling, um, it's a bit of a risk not starting with him and so many other people are. Yeah. As for as for Beams, well, yeah. Again, I think 
everyone was sort of wait and see until he come back. But we saw last week in the you know the preseason game, he just he's a Rolls Royce. He's the you know being made the captain of the club, which mm. would lead you to think that they're pretty certain that he's going to play the majority of the season. But it's just the ease in which he finds the ball and how dangerous he is with it. Like he is just an amazing footballer to watch. So. Again, another guy that's probably slipped into a few more sides than he was a week or two ago. Yeah. Um, but he is one of those guys as well, very underpriced, with the potential to end up one of the top, you know, five to ten forwards for the year. So when you've got a guy like that with a scoring history like he has, you've got to consider him. The only reason you'd be wary is that injury history that we talk about. Yeah, no, fair enough too. Look, Dyson Heppel's probably the next most popular premium. He's been one of the band bombers that have received a discount. He's at 23% of teams. Uh, a surprising number for me. Uh, again, the discount is there, but it's really only had one strong season, and that was Joe Watson. He's currently in 16% of sides. Fish, I think, at you know, just a touch under 475,000. There's no real fat on the bone with picking him, so really you're choosing to pick him kind of as a premium and, and go at a hundred plus based on that price. When you've got the likes of Swallow and Amira, Scott Selwood, just to name a few, let alone some breakout candidates like Matt Crouch or a Josh Kelly. I'm just not sure I've seen enough from Job over his full career, let alone now coming back from a season off the potential risk of injury that does need to be factored in with soft tissue. When guys have such a long time out of the game, and the question mark around how much midfield minutes he has, I'm not too sure in Dream Team Joe Watson's should have that high an ownership. No, I think everyone's sort of getting caught up, you know, with the whole romance of him returning type thing. Certainly, yeah. you know, I would love for him to have a brilliant season. Absolutely. You know, what he's had to go through with everything. No one wants to see that. You know, he just seems like an outstanding uh, person. He's been an outstanding fantasy player in the past, but there's just too many factors, to, as you're just saying why would you pick him? Uh, and that's the thing. I don't know with his age that he's in that zone where he's actually going to improve. Um, and I just can't see him being, you know, even within the top 15 to 20 scorers. So if you pick him, what are you doing with him? He's not going to appreciate him money enough to actually significantly, you know, save a couple of hundred thousand dollars on the starting squad. There's no positional changes in real dream team. So it's not like you can bank him for that. Yeah. I, I just think that the ownership that is high, um, and I'm a little bit surprised as to why it is so high. Yeah, I am too. Look, some guys I'm not surprised that have high ownership, both around the 20% mark. Tom Mitchell and Adam Trelaw both look like very, very likely options to be top eight candidates. Jack Stevens' JLT series has probably boosted him up a little bit too. Uh, he's in 13% of sides. Dan Hanabry also in 11% of sides. You can understand both those. And 10% of coaches right now uh, haven't seen Marcus Bontempelli in the preseason, but seem to be believing that what he did kind of in the back two-thirds to three-quarters of last year is what they're believing he's going to be able to replicate again in 2017. Yeah, and there's still talk that he's not even going to play in this last game. Yeah, it um, seems likely. I think we've seen in seasons past these guys that don't get the full pre-season in. It's a very, very brave person that starts them. Um, probably more of a case of... And I, I probably group Lockie Neal with Bontempelli as well. The two guys that have had very much injury-interrupted seasons. You know, without doubt, if they had full pre-seasons, you'd be picking them with confidence that they could be amongst the top tier. Yes, But I think with those type of guys, the best thing to do at the moment is just to sit back and wait, let them start. You know, more than likely, they both start slow. And that's where you can upgrade those last positions in the midfield to those type of guys as they start to get into it and start to get the run in their legs. 
because there's no doubt in my mind that Bontempelli will start slow given his pre-season and he'll be able to pick him up a lot cheaper um, than what he starts at. Yeah, I think so too. Look, someone that's got probably the last ownership of the most recent part of his career too before we do move into some of the mid-prices is a Scott Pendlebury for the durability and consistency he's given us over the past, you know, eight to ten years. To be in only 10% of sides is, is really quite a small number in comparison to what he's been able to deliver for us. He could be unique going him over an Adam Trelaw. Yeah, well, and I'm one of them. I'm getting caught up in the Trelaw versus Pendlebury hype and jumping on Trelaw. Um, but at the same time, you can't go wrong with Pendlebury, can you? No. You're going to pick him. You're going to know what you're going to get. You're going to get it for more often than not 20 to 22 games of the season out of him. Uh, and he's just going to chug along. It may not be, um, you know, the huge ceiling that's going to be there that some of these other mids have just because he is just so reliable. He just does what he needs to do. But to get a guy that's going to go 105 to 110 week in, week out, it's hard to say no to those guys, especially if you are going to go a bit risky and you have got the likes, if you know, you're, you know, your Beams or your Rockcliffs or those other types of players that could potentially um, be a little bit up and down dependent mm. on role, form and fitness. A guy like Pendlebury is perfect just to put in there and anchor the midfield. Yeah, look, I think so too. Look, some other guys that you could really consider looking at that have under 10% of ownership would be Brave, but maybe I think an upgrade target would be Gary Ablett. Under 7% of sides, just over 7% have uh, the Sydney captain, Josh Kennedy. 6.4% of sides uh, have both Luke Parker and Dustin Martin in their sides. You could build a case that both those guys would be pretty unique and also very viable premium options to go for. Let, let's talk, Fish, um, uh, about some of the mid-price options that we can consider this year. And it, and it really does seem that there are there's really two levels of mid-prices. I, I think sometimes we, we mislabel them. There's breakout contenders that you believe are going to become premiums. And then there are guys that are kind of like almost glorified cash cows where they're so significantly underpriced that they may not reach that kind of 100 threshold you need of a premium midfielder to get, but they're going to make you a lot of money on the way and also help you with some point scoring throughout. When it comes to breakout contenders, it seems like Dream Team coaches are really sort of looking at Two main ones. They're looking at Josh Kelly and 5.7% of sides, and understandably so, given the preseason that he's been able to give us. Um, and then we're starting to head you know, towards someone like a, a Matt Crouch, who's only in just the 2% of sides as well. The rest, and probably a Darcy Parrish, you know, would, you'd be picking at that price as well. Um, outside of that, there's maybe a Dion Prestier at 2%. Um there's really not a lot of these kind of mid-range guys that are really, really popular. It seems like we're going that the big premiums, and then we're going for either the couple of cash cows left, and then the likes of the O'Meara's, the Murphys, um, and the Swallows, you know, predominantly are the guys getting mentioned. Yeah, those upper end, the breakout guys, you've, you do have to be certain that they are going to be you know, what you need them to be. I think over the last two seasons, we probably had what, Jack Stevens two years ago who yeah. did that one from a guy. Um, Bryce Gibbs last year, you know, the price range and what he ended up. And that's what those guys need to do. You know, they need to go from being priced in the 90s to being bonafide, you know, 105 players for yeah. it to actually work. Kelly and Crouch can both do that. Um, but it's just one of those things. Yeah, you might get them in, you might save $100,000 getting them in, but if they both stay in that 90 to 100 zone... Yeah, if you're 10 points under per week. Yeah. yeah, and, and that's where it does make it hard, you know. Whereas, you know, as you're talking about these other guys like 
probably, you know, your Murphys and your Amiras uh, in particular. They are guys that have been up there before. Um, quite easily can probably score, you know, that 95 to 100, and they're considerably less in the price that they start with. So I think sometimes we do try to get a bit cute and try to pick the breakout guys. If yeah. you nail them, it's perfect. Yeah. But more often than not, the story's there that you pick the wrong one and you get stuck with a guy, um, you know, who's sort of churning along and they're scoring okay by all means, but they're just not scoring at what we thought they were going to. So that's where you've got to work out, I think, with the team balance. It may be a little bit different this year due to the lack of the midfield rookies mm. and, and you are forced to start some of these guys. But just purely, I think, on what they can potentially produce uh, and what they cost, the guys to that next tier down, like your Ramirez and Swallows, I would probably be going with those over the breakout too and Kelly and Crouch. Yeah. Have a wait and see on those two. Have a look at them. And, you know, you're still going to have a couple of spots in your midfield. You can always get them in, and it's not going to cost you that much to get them in. No. And they're probably but, still going to be relatively unique because, you know, dream team coaches sometimes were creatures of habit and seem to go trading for names, not just for, you know, what the data tells us. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as we, we've already spoke about the buys this year, there's such a crucial factor in terms of getting that starting squad right. Yeah. The guys that you bring in and when you bring them in. So, you know, if the spot's there and they start off okay and you've got the actual cash there, um, which is another issue altogether, maybe you can bring them in after a bit of a small, you know, four, five, round four, five, six type thing. If yeah. They're really sort of hitting them. Yeah, fair enough too. Look, you know, the most popular kind of um, mid-prices that we're looking at kind of as stepping stones, um, the most notoriously, I I think, easy mapped out path would be a David Swallow at just under 300,000. 36% of coaches are going him. The beauty of the round nine buy for them is you can do one of two options. Hedge your bets and upgrade him to a, a premium that fits your buy structure that's at their lowest possible price or... You bench him for the week and you run him right through the bison and you allow him to come to become your M9. That's a, a perfectly viable strategy. And then the other person that's probably more popular in, in terms of doing that, just about 30,000 more than him, is a Jaeger O'Meara. 45% of coaches own him, and based on what he's done in the preseason, he's becoming irresistible because not only do I believe he could score 100, I think at very, very worst, you hold him throughout the season and becomes perfect depth cover through your side which with that limited trades um, and especially if you like to trade aggressively early, having strong bench cover can really be the difference for not just a league final matchup but winning DT overall Yeah, those two guys I think you probably need to have one of them, a lot of teams are going to have both of them but you certainly need to have one of them so it just comes down to making the decision you know, as to what they do and I think um, you know, for me personally, I'm probably leaning towards O'Meara just yeah. from what we've seen, um, what we know he's going to do. He's certainly going to play in that, you know, inside midfield role, um, rack up the touches. Swallow, there's still a bit of talk that he may play on a wing, he may play up a half-back flank. Mm. You know, he's so much um, versatility that he can play around the place. So personally, I think is probably ahead, but you could easily have both of them in that starting side. We talk about, you know, trying to avoid all of the mid-prices, but sometimes it's just too hard to avoid guys like this who both can potentially they just, they just become perfect you know M8 probably in a mirror even an M9 and Swallow's probably perfect M9 at the season end yeah I think so too and one of the things that I think and we'll spend the last few moments of this episode speaking about is it feels more so than ever before 
that there's this this lash uh, lack of midfield cash cows. I, I feel like we've got a good number of defensive ones and a, and a growing number of you know pretty good job security forward ones. Maybe not great scoring ones, but definitely. You know, there's good job security there, and we spoke about them a couple of episodes ago. When I look at our midfield and how it's being structured, I'm seeing more so, you know, popular across, you know, the Dream Team community, where you traditionally go for maybe five premiums and a mid-pricer tops. People are pushing that now to five or even up to six premium midfielders and then running only really, you know, an O'Meara or an Swallow and... And then just the one cash cow on the field, which traditionally is just not being done or, or conducive to successful cash generation. Because traditionally, the midfield rookies are where we get our best kind of scoring options from. Yeah, and it's it's not just, I suppose, looking at the midfield. It's trying to find that balance across the lines. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of defensive rookies to start with, but... Are there going to be a lot of defensive rookies to downgrade to? Yeah. Because we've still got to either downgrade or upgrade these guys as we go. Um, and the midfield has, you know, always been the case in the past where they've been full of all of our rookies, the high scoring ones, the best appreciating ones. Probably still need to be careful how we structure up that midfield because when the first run of rookies is going to come, it's just based purely on numbers that usually yeah. the midfield rookies are where it's at. So you still have to have a couple of those guys that you can trade down in the midfield. Um, yeah, but as you're saying, it's very hard to find them at the moment. So how we work out that particular structure is a different thing altogether. And there are some guys that are on the horizon for us. A Nathan Freeman looks like he's going to be a great in-season downgrade option. A David Myers, when he gets back to full fitness, looks like he'll be another really nice option for us in-season. But at this stage, I'm not seeing coaches with any more than five cash cow options like genuine under, you know, the 220,000 sort of range. I'm just not seeing it. And I've, you've alluded to a little concern there, which is, yep, we may load up our lines fantastically fine and you may have your Swallows and, o- and O'Meara's at M6 and M7 and Beams at 5 or wherever it is and Happy Days. But if we start to get some great cash cow options in the midfield throughout the year, which we may well likely do, we could lock ourselves away from being able to get them early. Yeah, and that's solely the you know the whole point of things is you've got to get that cash generation. You've got to turn those guys over. You have yeah. to keep upgrading the line. So it's something to consider with that starting squad because, as you're saying, you know we're seeing in some cases people have got swallow at their mate and then just yeah. three guys on the bench. So you basically, if you are doing that, you're locking yourself into the fact that at some stage you're either trading the bench guys who may not have appreciated all that much, or you have to then downgrade a swallow or an O'Meara. To, um, to these other people that come along to generate the cash. So, look, it's while well, sides look nice and pretty on paper with those loaded midfields yeah. as to whether or not they're going to be the best option midway through the season, it is something that you do need to consider. Yeah, I think so too. Um, when we look at the popularity of cash cows, the good news is, before we do look at some of them, is there's an article right now on the news tab of sportsdeck.com where you can go and check out Ridza, a fellow panellist from the coaches panel. He's written down so far who he thinks are the best cash cow options and there'll be another post-JLT series of looking at the cash cows once we've had kind of two to three looks at some of these guys and who's got good job security and who's got good scoring potential. But really the most popular mid rookie at the moment, Sam Pepper Powell and at under 150,000, 40% of coaches are on him. And what we've seen over the past two weeks, 
he looks like he's in the best 22. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? That's It's solely job security with him. He's going to play. He's going to play from the start. Um, he's got the body to do it. Whether he's going to, you know, get the points that you're going to need to actually get a lot out of him, I think in his situation, it's probably more just a case that he will be playing and you can be pretty sure that he'll play up until the bye. Yeah, look, there are some other guys right throughout um, that have dual position status, you know, like a, a Mitchell Hibbert and a Hugh McCluggage. They're in over 30% of sides. Um, Andrew McGrath's just over 20% of sides. Probably the most next popular kind of option. And he was pretty disappointing in his first JLT series match. Much better this week gone. Granted, they were playing a very, very young Bulldog side. But what he showed us was enough promising signs that if he can get upgraded from the rookie list, Jake Barrett, Looks like a pretty good cash cow for us this year. Yeah, certainly his knee reform last year, he did rack up the touches and the points there, so he's shown that he has that scoring ability. Um, as you said, it's very much a, he needs to be upgraded, but I think just looking at it from those you know bottom-priced rookies, he's probably the best bet at the moment in terms of the ability to you know maybe go at 70 a week and certainly appreciate and value enough to get some something out of him. Yeah, I think so too. Nathan Freeman, uh, he's in 20% of sides at the moment. And unless he plays this weekend in the JLT, I, I think you probably should look towards him as an up, a downgrade option in season. Harrison Wig from Adelaide. Um, his disposal's been a little bit off, which is surprising given that's been arguably strength at junior and also at the Sandful level. Personally, I'm not convinced that he's going to be, be in the Crows' best 22, at least early on in the season, but he, he's certainly a viable option if he, he certainly can prove me wrong. Jack Bowes um, is in 17% of sides. He's a mid-forward. Ainsworth as well. Probably the next viable one, and we'll get a great chance to see whether or not he is in the best 22, is a Will Brody. 14% of coaches own him. He had a great JLT second game after an okay first one. But that was without the likes of Jared Lyons, Gary Ablett, and Aaron Hall rolling through the midfield, all of whom will take plenty of those midfield minutes away from him. Yeah, and that's the, the thing with Brody. He certainly looked probably the most at ease of all the Gold Coast kids in the first couple of games combined, but it's just as to what role he will play once the season starts. He looks like he's pretty comfortable there at the coalface and loves to get in and about with the contest, yeah. but... Yeah, it's pretty hard when those other mids come back into it, you know, with Ablett and Lions, certainly, because um, both of those love that type of game as well. Um, it'll be a risk starting him um, just with that extra premium, but he may be an only option that we've got as well. Yeah, and that's where we're almost going to start really considering getting to that point and maybe something we speak about a little bit more uh, in the news, you know, and with the articles that keep coming through the Dream Team page at sportsdeck.com over the next couple of weeks, um, is that we may just have our hand forced about the options that we actually have to go and lock these players in. Um, a miles from Hawthorne is probably fringe best 22, but, you know, his DPP could be handy at M11 if you... You know, he looks like, um, I know you're a Hawks fan, Fish. He, he looks like he should get some games throughout the season. Maybe it'll take a, an injury for that to happen. But, yeah, that there's not a lot of amazing options out there for us at the moment. Yeah, I think, you know, someone like a Miles will play during the year. Um, he's probably in competition with someone like a Taylor Jaray for that small defender spot. We've seen him take a few of the, the kickouts and work well back there in the first couple of games. So I suppose just keep an eye on him this week and see what happens with him. Again, I don't think there'll be a, a huge amount of scoring there in the, the job security because he is probably in that 20 to 25 spot in the side. It's not all that solid either, but he may be someone that's picked at the moment. It's looking that way with round one. If they're picked, there's going to be a pretty good chance of being put into teams. 
Yeah, I think so too. Look, mate, there's not a lot of cash cow options in the midfield for us at the moment. Hopefully this last week of JLT matches where sides try to put their best players on the field and they're kind of fully fit, best 22. Anyway, we get a greater understanding of what sides are looking at and which cash cows are, are genuinely pretty close to making it in to the round one side. Hey, mate, appreciate your thoughts today. No problems, MJ. If uh, you haven't already done so, make sure you subscribe and download uh, to get this episode, whether it be via iTunes and SoundCloud. We'd love for you to be able to get this episode weekly straight to your handheld device. And if you do subscribe via iTunes, leave a positive review so other Dream Team coaches can continue to discover the official Dream Team podcast. And keep checking every single day at sportsdeck.com, making the adjustments you need to feel kind of content and happy with your side, but also to check out the news articles that are landing every single day. We'll check in with you next week as we look at the defensive options for Dream Team in 2017.